season. Brand new dawn for Formula One. Welcome to Off the Grid here on RiotRadio.ca. As per usual, I am your host, Evan Halbert, and we have a doozy of a race to cover with the Australian Grand Prix. Probably one of the most underwhelming and somehow overwhelming and confusing, and it's probably the weirdest race I've ever seen because somehow it was boring and exciting. But we'll go, we will go over that in just a moment. Well, <clears throat> first, we'll start off with practice. Now... The big topic for the Australian Grand Prix was why do we need practice sessions? There's, if you're not familiar with the Formula One format, uh, the way that it works is Fridays are just practice. So there's two sessions, it's FP1 and FP2 that are only practice sessions that usually last around an hour, hour and a half. Uh, and then on the Saturday, it's another practice session with qualifying and then the races on Sunday. Normally that is what the F1 procedure is and that's what it has been for many, many years. And the big topic of debate was why do we need three sessions of practice? It doesn't really make a lot of sense. It's, they were mostly speaking from a commentator spectator. A, a lot of these comments were coming from uh, the commentators during the practice. Um, which was Julian Palmer, um, David Coulthard, I believe was there as well, and Alex Jacques. And the big, that was kind of the big discussion was it's not as exciting when it comes to the race because you've already got a very good idea as to who's going to do well if the race is clean from start to finish, um, just based off pure race pace, based off strategy, based off all that good news. And that's kind of the big question that's been talked about. Personally, I think that more, session, more sessions and more cars on track for longer periods of time is always a good thing. I will just watch the cars go around and that's totally fine. But the funny thing is, as they were talking about this and whether Formula One needs more practice sessions, we had the most exciting first practice that we've had in a long time, just with different things happening. The big thing that happened during this was a GPS failure. And what that means is everyone in the pit box and everyone that's on the pit wall, they can't track where the other cars are on track, which is very dangerous. Um, you don't know who's on a fast lap, who's coming up behind you. It's more on the drivers to be looking in their mirrors and figuring out where they're going. And that takes away from getting data that they need. So they decided to red flag the session uh, after several very close calls. Uh, I'll show you one that happened between Lance Stroll, Zhou Guan Yu, and Sergio Perez, each from their perspectives. Um, but yeah, let's take a look at what that is. Full cool lap, 
So you're good in out two. Keep watching your mirrors, and we do a full cool up. And we do think diff lock in three is the right thing to do on the push. Cool rears as much as you can maintain front. So watch traffic behind, we have GPS, GPS issues, all teams with GPS issues. Man, this guy, what they doing in the last car, I nearly crashed into them. The Mercedes and the Red Bull. So as good as that video is, it doesn't fully demonstrate how close that was in terms of contact with the two. If you were watching carefully on Jogon Yu's point of view, you could see there is a little snap of oversteer. Um, it's a good time to describe and, and let you know what oversteer and understeer are, because let me tell you, I didn't get it for a long time. Um, understeer, when you're driving the car, so if you're driving your car, understeer is uh, when you're not turning far enough into a corner. Uh, whereas oversteers, you're steering over into the corner. The entire point of it is that you want to make sure that you're getting your nose in the correct position um, so you can get on the power and get out of there. Um, so usually when you see drivers kind of course correcting, uh, it usually means there's a touch of oversteer uh, and the car is now over. They have to correct for um, the car's momentum and that it's moving basically sideways at that point. Um, so you can see in that point of view, Zhou Guan Yu, as he's going through, you can see that he has to bring the wheel the other way in order to course correct for the car. And some drivers have their own driving style and they prefer understeer versus oversteer. An example is Lewis, Lewis Hamilton. He loves uh, having understeer in his car. It allows him to get on the power a little bit sooner and makes the car a little more stable. Whereas Max Verstappen, he likes oversteer. He likes being able to put the car exactly where it needs to be and correct as it goes, as it makes the corner a little bit faster. So that is oversteer and understeer. And that's why you saw Zhou Guan Yu kind of snap it back and why he said it was so dangerous. Um, there are tons of videos out there that are showcasing exactly what happened during FP1, but because of that GPS failure, there were so many cars and so much traffic on certain corners that it became difficult in order to figure out who was where and what was happening. And it happened all at once. They actually red flagged the session. And uh, when you red flag a session, which we're going to be talking about a lot today, depending on what session you're doing, so for FP1, 2, and 3, 
the time doesn't stop. It continues. The practice session still continues to happen, even though a red flag has, has occurred. It means that you're basically just missing out on practice time. So red flags are not good in any kind of session, uh, but practice when you're missing out on all those practice sessions is what's really important and why it's such a big deal. And for the rest of practice or for the next few days um, and the next few sessions that have happened, it was kind of mixed results. So it might look a little like today, which was a little gloomy in FP2, um, which means we got some uh, wet weather running, which has been the first wet weather running all weekend or all season um, between the three races, which makes sense. Like the first two races are held in the desert. There's no water. So yeah, it, uh, yeah, that happens. Uh, so it's exciting to get what, uh, wet water or wet weather, um, racing. Um, and we get to see that, but it didn't really seem to matter because by the time we got to qualifying and by the time we got to the actual race, that data doesn't even matter because there was no clouds, no rain, no nothing. Um, but it's good. It's good to see how the cars handle on these different tires and the different compounds and see who's got it and who doesn't. Um, entire compound makes all the difference in these situations. Um, that is why we have uh, people who are designated rainmasters. Um, people like Fernando Alonso, uh, Max Verstappen, Michael Schumacher. Excellent examples of people who, do who drive really well in the rain. Okay, so we'll move on to qualifying just because qualifying was also very interesting. At least Q1 was, mostly because of Sergio Perez having the same issue on the exact same corner that he's been having throughout the different practice sessions. Uh, and he spun out and he actually was out in Q1, which is massive. Um, if you're not entirely sure what I'm talking about or why this happened, or if you just watched the race and you're wondering, hmm, why is Sergio Perez starting 20th the pit lane? Well, this is why we'll show you. Perez is off the road. Sergio Perez, who had a torrid time in practice with four excursions, has gone off at turn three to bring out the red flag. And the driver, second in the world championship, has found the gravel, found the wall, and brought out the red flag in the first part of qualifying. It looks like he's beached it. That is just exactly what he did in three practice. And, you know, at that level, that's just not acceptable. He's been struggling with the brakes all day, Checo. As he said, in, in free practice, he had, had one trip through the gravel, another almost trip through the gravel at this corner. We didn't sort out the issue, man. It was the same issue again. Copy. That is why we have good old-fashioned gravel traps in Formula 1. It punishes driver errors. That's a huge one from Checo. First flying lap of the day. He's got no time on the board at all. And Perez will start last tomorrow. So... Overall, not a great weekend for for Checo, considering he did so well in Jeddah. He did so well in Bahrain, coming in second and first. And he was one point off from being the world title championship leader. And unfortunately, this bad weekend is what caused him, caused things to go pear-shaped. We'll, we'll go a little Australian terms today. Okay. That being said, Q1 was still so exciting. There's so much that was happening and the field is so close. So if we take a look here, we'll look at the timings from the end of Q1. If you look at, let's not count Max Verstappen because he is in a Red Bull, he is the fastest car and he's probably one of the most consistent drivers in the field right now. But if you look from Lewis Hamilton all the way down to Pierre Gasly in 13th, 
they're separated within a tenth of a second from each other, if not even closer. That is one second off the pace. Even if you look at DeVries, he is 1.066 off of the pace from Verstappen. Everyone else is so incredibly close to each other. And it just goes to show that Formula One is still a sport, not of seconds, but of hundreds, thousands of seconds, tens, hundreds of thousands of seconds in between each other. And the fact that the field is that close on a one lap uh, pace is fantastic. And this is kind of what's generating a lot of the buzz for this season is how close everyone is during qualifying. And that's, that's the thing as well. If you look within the top eight, that is seven different teams in there. And that is fantastic. We love to see that. So instead of seeing within the top six or the top, we just see Red Bull, Mercedes, and Ferrari. We actually get a nice plethora of, of, of different people. And Alex Albon as well, he number six in the Williams. Him being in the top six is shocking. That is not something that we were expecting from a Williams that has not been performing, especially last year they weren't doing well, but both of them have been doing really well. I think that also pays dividends to Alex's experience, especially when you compare to his teammate, who is Logan Sargent in 18th, and how he's not quite on the pace. So yes, qualifying has been superb for every single race. Um, so we'll take a look at the end of Q3 because unfortunately Q2 wasn't as exciting. Um, it was kind of the usual suspects in there. Um, the McLarens aren't able to keep pace at all, which is really disappointing. Um, so yeah, we'll take a look at the end of Q3 and we'll take a look at that. Can Fernando Alonso displace Max Verstappen and take provisional pole position? He can! Fernando Alonso to the front of the field with a 117.3. Can anyone get on top of Alonso with seven and a half minutes to go? Leclerc is going to be first to try and he goes to the front row. And he gets ahead of Verstappen as well. Russell in the middle part of the lap looking good. His signs though. And he goes ahead of his teammate. The Mercedes will be next with Russell now to the front row. And can Lewis Hamilton find his way there? He can do better than that. Lewis Hamilton to provisional pole position. Here we go over the line and he's pipped. Lewis Hamilton by nine thousandths of a second. What a qualifying session. Verstappen is having his tidiest run in qualifying so far. This is the penultimate corner. It's been such a tight battle so far. The two-time champion looking to change that, looking for his second pole of the season. Verstappen across the line, and he blitzes the field by half a second to take the battle for pole out of reach of everyone in the field. And now, who can join him on the front row? Lance Stroll, first of all, across the line. He improves to fourth position. Hamilton is on the personal best, sector one, sector two. But we join Fernando Alonso trying to return to the front row, and he does so across the line. Alonso up to second position. Now, can the Mercedes do anything about the old master out front? Sainz has improved. After he's pushed up, he's moved up to third place. So Hamilton will try and respond. First of all, Russell finds his way to the front row, but it's Hamilton over the line and he can't match his teammates' time. Once again, Russell is the lead Mercedes in Formula One qualifying. Russell 
on the front row with that late effort across the line. Personal bests everywhere you look for those improving at the end. Russell got to the front row. Hamilton was in the mix. Alonso will start in fourth. It's signs ahead of Charles Leclerc. But when... So for a moment, a brief moment, we had the top two times separated by nine one thousandths of a second, which is you don't see that too often. And then Max Verstappen goes on new tires and uh, suddenly he's now uh, five, almost half a second ahead of everyone else. Um, it's no contest at this point in time. Red Bull's got it. Um, they have the consistent driver. They have the really good package with the car and there's basically no stopping them. This should have been a shoe in for Verstappen to win. But it wasn't as easy as one might think. When we come back from the break, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the race and what happened and why it was such a mess. Don't forget that you can follow us on social media at DCSA Media Hub. We're going to play you some music. Here is Love from the Other Side by Fall Out Boy here on rightradio.ca.
Welcome back. That was Love from the Other Side by Follow Boy here on RyeRadio.ca. And this is Off the Grid, the show all about Formula One. And specifically, we're talking about the Australian Grand Prix today. As usual, I am your host, Evan Halbert. And what a doozy this race was. Before you, we left on break, we were just talking about... Uh, the practice sessions qualifying and why this wasn't as easy for Max Verstappen as it probably should have been. So we'll get started. The buildup to the race was super exciting. Uh, all the Aussies were out in force cheering for their home hero, Oscar Piastri, which was a big race for him um, to try and perform and do well. Honestly, I think that Australia is probably one of the coolest tracks uh, simply because the track needs to be built up similar to how Monaco is, except what they do for Australia, it's actually a park real round. It's actually a massive park. I put it on a similar scale to um, Central Park in um, New York. Uh, so it is massive. It's a really big park. And the fact that they build um, fencing all around it and put the paddock together is super cool. Um, so the race begins and already there's tons of drama within the first 10 laps. So let's take a look at what the first 10 laps had held for us for the Australian Grand Prix. And the Australian Grand Prix is go. Good reaction time for George Russell, putting the pressure on Max Verstappen. Will he dive to the inside? Can Verstappen hang on to it? Russell to the inside. Russell to the lead of the Grand Prix to bring a roar from the crowd. Down to second place goes Max Verstappen. He's under pressure. Alonso is all over the back of Hamilton as well. Russell, then Verstappen, and Hamilton to the inside of Verstappen. Then nearly banging wheels. In the background goes Charles Leclerc into the gravel trap and off the road. It's Russell. Then it's Hamilton in a Mercedes 1-2. The pole sitter is shuffled down to third, David. Yeah, it'll be a safety car. It'll be a safety car because Charles Leclerc is beached. George Russell hooked it up nicely on that initial drive. That's exactly what we saw the, uh, the Aston Martin of uh, Fernando Alonso do in Saudi. And then, as Julian said there, Max just got a little bit greedy trying to battle and hold on on the brakes into turn one. And that gave Russell, look, he's bolted out front. And then Max breaks a little bit conservative that opens up the door for Hamilton little bit of contact Albon off the road gravel all over the circuit he's missing a front wing and his perfect weekend has come undone with the safety car deployed Max you're all okay yeah I'm fine yeah it's such a shame such Ru a shame Russell has pitted a... David Russell has pitted from the lead so Mercedes seed track position George Russell, who puts on the hard tyre. Sykes as well. There's Alpin just oversteering his way to the barriers at the quick turn six now. Scatters gravel all over the circuit, and he's perched there right on the racing line. A little bit scary for him. Driver error from a driver that's been superb so far this weekend. A red flag, and that completely changes it across the board. And George Russell has given up track position when everyone now can make a tyre change under the red. Look at this, though. If you're further back, you're almost stopping. They were. Look oh. at the Joe Guan Yu there having no choice but to overtake a sea of cars. Yeah, and look oh at that. Look at yeah. that. You've got Magnussen it's... through the gravel. Yeah, that's just dangerous. So the it? 10 laps already filled with drama. Charles Leclerc being spun off into the into the gravel off the third corner it's it's sad when you see i really like charles i like charles leclerc a lot fantastic driver very well demeanored human and his la his race lasted three three corners and that is 
it's just sad. I think everyone was really upset about it. As you can see, I'm wearing my Ferrari sweater. Um, this is my copium. This is how, how I deal with it. And, and I hope that they do better. Um, it's not working, unfortunately. Making me feel better, though. The other thing is, the big thing that was so important about this starting as well, George Russell got the jump on Max. Max had a terrible start to the fact that he lost first and second within the first three corners, and he was third for a good chunk of it. The safety car ends. Alex, unfortunately, spins off another really sad moment where Alex, it's just driver error, and that's the thing. In qualifying, in free practice, Alex Albon was purple in every sector two, and that's the, that where that corner is, is the beginning of sector two for the track. And the fact that he just made that mistake and spun right out onto the track, ah, it just... It hurts. It's so sad to see. Um, now, initially, this was a yellow flag, and everyone kind of thought, oh, it's going to be a safety car. You know, it's pretty standard. He's kind of on the track, but not really. Uh, and then the red flag comes out, which was massive because George Russell pitted on the ninth lap for new tires. Now, under the safety car, that's kind of a normal thing. Normally, drivers will pit so that they they can get a cheap pit stop um, the reason why it's it's considered to be a, uh, a cheap pit stop is because everyone behind you cannot increase their speed and they cannot go over a certain delta or time that they need to complete the lap so they're not going as fast as they normally do which means uh, the limiter on the on the pit lane in terms of your speed doesn't matter as much. So you save some time by going into the pit lane, changing some tires and then coming out. You almost always maintain track position. In this case, because this was just after the restart, this was maybe two laps after the restart uh, of the yellow flag from Charles's uh, crash or spin out, that most of the field was pretty bunched up and George decided to sacrifice lap uh, track position in order to pit and make sure that when everyone else has to pit, he doesn't have to. So all in all, it was a good call. And then the red flag came out and it suddenly wasn't a good call anymore. Why? Because under the regulations, you are allowed to do certain modifications to the car under a red flag scenario. One of those things is changing tires. So everyone gets a literally free pit stop and is able to swap their tires and maintain their track position. So George loses out on this which is absolutely heartbreaking because it was a smart move. It was really good and really smart. It was so good that he wasn't the only one who did it. I believe Carlos also came out and swapped his tires. George did, Checo did, um, and Checo, he had made up like six places at this point too. So overall, it was a good plan. Nobody really expected the red flag. Um, and it kind of raises the question. I feel like the recurring theme is, was the red flag necessary? So we'll answer that question a little bit later, or at least I'll give you my take on what I think that is. So we'll take a look at the next few laps uh, and we get to see more of Russell's misery, why the Red Bull is so insanely fast uh, and what the next few laps were to hold. So we'll take a look at that. This is gonna be the chance then. Verstappen will get DRS. Oh, this is such a high speed part of the racetrack. These two world champions, these two rivals, are about to go wheel to wheel once again, surely. Around the outside goes Max Verstappen. Can Hamilton fight back? There's nothing Hamilton can do. And Max Verstappen roars past. Hamilton has to defend to the left. And look at that with the DRS. 
three cars not separated by much as we head to turn 11 russell forced to the outside line trying to go past the alpine will he be given room he will and george russell completes a tidy pass russell dropping down the order got to be a problem for george russell there is a problem he's pulling off in the background of your shots and the british driver has a failure the one-time race leader is out it just showcases how ridiculously fast the red bull is and that in the drs zones there's nothing you can do if you see the red bull behind you you might as well just get out of the way don't even try to defend it because realistically you're not going to stop him and then russell's unfortunate recovery drive which he started doing really well i think he made his way up to fourth at some point and then he had a PU failure, which is the power unit literally combusted. Uh, as you can see, fire spewing from the exhaust. Uh, it, it's just not his weekend. I think Russell put out a tweet later today saying, you know, when it's not your day, it's, it's not your day. Um, and that's just, it happens sometimes. Sometimes that's just the way it goes. It's the way the news goes. When it's a hot summer day uh, or a hot spring day in Australia um, and the track is 65 degrees, there's nothing you can do about it. So that was pretty much it for the first 20 laps. Now it's a 58 lap race uh, and the next 20 laps was really boring. I don't know if that's because I was watching this at two in the morning uh, or if it was genuinely just uninteresting. We got to see a few overtakes here and there. Um, we got to see Checo Perez in the other Red Bull just dominating the field on the exact same corner. I'm pretty confident that they showed the same highlight with different cars um, from Checo on the same corner at least four times, um, which is impressive, but also like, cool, the Red Bull's doing well. I would like to see something I didn't already know. Uh, in which case, they did show us something we didn't already know, which was Lando Norris really outperforming the car. Uh, the McLaren this year is awful. It is terrible. And you can take a look at the first two races to see that they had zero points beyond this race or before this race um, to see how bad it is. And also how frustrated Lando Norris was in testing as a whole. So the fact that he's able to overtake the Haas, which has been performing fairly well with Nico Hulkenberg in it, just impressive. Just very well done from Lando Norris. And as this is happening, we're also looking at the other Haas of Kevin Magnussen. Now, Kevin, unfortunately, he had just broken the toe. That was uh, Zhou Guan Yu coming up behind him. He broke that DRS, so Zhou could no longer keep pace with Kevin. He went wide into turn one and turn two, and he kissed the wall. And you'll see what happens uh, right here uh, about what happened with Kevin. 12. And that's a tire carcass off the back of the house. That's Kevin Magnussen with an ailing car and a yellow flag in sector one. Suspension's okay. And it, oh, he oh. hit, did he hit the wall? Yeah, and that's what caused it. Well, that leaves the jitters for everyone else. Just don't hit the wall and, and you'll be all right. Red flag for the second time in this Grand Prix. Can you believe this? And that's just unfortunate. Honestly, he just went a little, little too wide in the corner. And like we said earlier, we were talking about oversteer and understeer, just slightly oversteered. Um, but realistically, Kevin still had control over the car. Uh, and we were just assuming, oh, okay, the race is going to end under a safety car. You know, just like Monza. It's pretty normal. It normally happens, usually if there's an incident closer to the end of the race. But that is not what happened not what we were expecting the red flag comes out and the race is suspended uh 
We'll play this clip for you. It's an audio clip, and it's just showcasing the commentary from when the red flag came out, as well as the front, the three front runners, their reaction to it. So we'll play that for you. Red flag, red flag for the second time in this Grand Prix. Red flag, red flag, drive directly to the pits. Do not stop in the box. Stay in the fast lane. You need red flag. Red flag, red flags to slow down. What? Yep, red flag. One lap, two laps. Will they restart this? Uh, I can imagine they would. So, that basically sums up my reaction. Now, I actually, I was talking to a, pro, a buddy of mine, and I actually have documented what my reaction was for this. Um, and it was, <laughs> it basically went as followed, which was what? No way. I don't understand what is going on. Why is this a red flag? Um, and I was screaming at this plane. Um, I wish I could actually say a lot of what I said during this moment to my buddy, but unfortunately I cannot, uh, for a variety of reasons. Most of them are being explicit. Uh, <laughs> it was quite the reaction. Uh, I think Alex, Alex Jockey said it the best words. I wish I could hear the folks at home who are watching this live, what their exact reaction was, because this was so exciting. This went from the most boring race from lap 20 to lap 58 or 56 to, oh my God, this is a two lap shootout. Nobody has new tires. Everyone is gonna be on softs, and Max has been having terrible starts all day today, which means this could be an opportunity for a Max Verstappen, 31st win or sorry 37th win this could be another win for lewis hamilton i believe it would have been his 107th this could have been win 33 for alonzo and this was just a, such an exciting build-up for this standing start and as you can hear the front three they did not want this or if they did they didn't show it so we get ready i believe the red flag lasts about five to ten minutes and we get everyone settled and ready. We start a formation lap. Everyone's warming their tires. And it, it, as the formation lap is going, it is tense. It is. I was so stressed. Like, oh, my God, what is going to happen? What is, what is going to happen? Who's going to win? This is anybody's game now uh, in between now and the checkered flag. Everyone gets set up on the grid. Everyone kind of gets going. And, and, you know, we get the five lights. They go out. Uh, and this happens. The worst possible thing could have happened. We'll take a look at the video. It's two laps to sort out who wins this one. Immediately, Verstappen is chopping ahead of Lewis Hamilton, who will try and edge out Fernando Alonso. It's as he were from the top three. It's going to be close to contact. And Fernando Alonso is spun round by Carlos Sainz. Perez is off the road. It's Max Verstappen with the lead. Then it's Hamilton. And there's a crash at the back of the field. Into the wall goes Gasly. And it's absolute chaos on the restart. Oh, it's deep. He's deep stroll into the corner. It's total, total chaos. Sainz is looking and he's fighting with Gasly. They both draw each other in to go in too deep. And Alonso's looking at switchback time on Hamilton, and Sainz carries too much speed, hits the right rear of Alonso. Then you've got your two Alpines that must come to blows themselves then afterwards. Big impact into the wall for the two Alpines. And Sargent did not stop for turn one either, so he's 
gone straight into the back of De Vries. The, Mar the marshal shrugging behind. Absolute carnage. The most, probably one of the biggest F1, F1 experience, F1 experiences that I've seen where I was speechless. I didn't even know what was happening, what was going on. So let's break it down really quick. Uh, off the line, we know that Carlos Sainz tagged the back of Fernando Alonso and spun him out. Luckily, he didn't go into the wall. He kept it just barely on the track. In the back, we had Logan Sargent tapping Nick DeVries. They both spin out into turn one onto the gravel pit. Uh, and because of the incident between Carlos Sainz and um, Fernando Alonso, we see Esteban Ocon and his teammate Pierre Gasly coming together and crunching the two Alpines into the wall. Uh, it's absolute carnage. Um, I have an image here that pretty much sums it up perfectly. Let's take a look at that. This is just something I saw on the internet and I'm like, yep, that sounds about right. That's, that's basically what happened. And this raised a bunch of questions of was the red flag necessary? Why didn't we just end in the safety car? What even qualifies as a reason to pull out the red flag? And why did we need three of them during this race? All these questions I will help answer for you after our next break. So we're going to go to some music. We're going to play Luxy Turna by Metallica. Uh, but before you go, you can follow us on social media at DCSA Media Hub. Once again, we're going to play some Lux Eterna by Metallica here on RiotRadio.ca.
Welcome back to Off the Grid here on RiotRadio.ca. You are listening to Luxie Turna by Metallica. Excellent song. Uh, they just released their most recent song, which was 72 Seasons, which is also very good. This, so far, this is rounding out to be an excellent album. So before we went on break, we were talking about what constitutes the reasons for a red flag in Formula One and why did we have three of them in the Australian Grand Prix? That was, those are the kind of the questions that we were left as we saw the race unfold. Now, the way the race ended is what's interesting. The race ended as a formation lap. So the reason that entire crash and that entire mayhem, six cars were involved, six of, I believe, 14. Um, and it was the worst thing possible. And a lot of it is kind of owned up to, we didn't need to have a red flag for K mags tire popping off. Uh, and tires were cold when we did this. So let's, let's start with the, did we need a red flag to laps, two laps left in the race? Now I watched a video earlier today. Um, and it was put on, uh, by F1, uh, featuring Jolian Palmer, who is X F1 driver. He's also an F1 analysis, um, for F1 TV. Uh, and he broke down kind of everything as to why this shouldn't have been. A red flag and I agree with a lot of what he's saying uh, because it makes sense so if we break down what happens with Kevin Magnuson his tire pops off which is usually pretty concerning however he still had full control of the car and you can still drive it while missing a tire it's not like any of the major functions of the vehicle were compromised in the sense that he lost control of the vehicle um, he was able to pull over into a fairly safe area. And the only really big parts of debris that came from the car was the tire itself. Uh, and if you look where the tire ended up on track, it was maybe five feet from a Marshall station. It really wasn't that far. So this could have just been a safety car. Safety car comes out. Everyone does a lap. You know, we get Kevin's car off of where it was uh, and you retrieve the tire. And that's pretty much it. And that also brings the question of if this could have been resolved under a safety car, why did we go to a red flag? Well, the closest example I can think of is Monza 2022. Uh, and that was last year's race in Italy where the race ended under a safety car and it was really underwhelming considering Charles Leclerc was catching Max Verstappen at the time and it could have been a really tight photo finish. But it just didn't happen because of a late incident so i think the fia wanted to take i think they were over cautious in this incident um and also they figured we can be cautious but also create a really exciting ending that's kind of the accusation now i don't work for the fia i don't understand all, everything that they do i reference the rules often um to try and figure out why this happens why decisions were made this way and honestly that's just my opinion you don't need to take my word for it you can you can figure it out for yourself you can go look at the regulations as well and see as to why now why did everyone go and start crashing into each other now we could chalk up the back two rookies of nick devries and logan Sargent. it's their first season they've driven the car well, if we include every session that they've been in, maybe 14 times, give or take. Um, 
that's how many times they've been in the car and actually been driving on pace. The big problem is the tires were old, meaning that they were scrubbed. And that means that they uh, are used in a previous session. They're not brand new. Uh, and they have been, they, it's funny, it's interesting to look at because what they do is they take uh, basically a giant uh, hairdryer uh, and they put it on the tire in order to heat it up and they take a chisel and they just chisel off the old rubber. And that is kind of what it means by scrubbed rubber or the scrubbed tires. And that's what makes it so you can use them in other sessions. So that was one problem. The other one was tires are cold. When your tires are cold, uh, you have zero grip. The tires need to be within a working temperature in order for them to be working properly. Now the soft tires need to be a little bit higher just because we need them to have the correct amount of grip. And we've seen from multiple of the drivers that the tires weren't really in working temperature. They weren't really moving in the way that they wanted to. And the grip just wasn't really there. And that's why you see people locking up and spinning off and starting to uh, not be able to perform as to what, where they needed to be. Now, the other question is after this carnage and craziness, it took about 20 minutes to half an hour in order to figure out what was happening. So the results before they changed it, I believe was supposed to be Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, Carlos Sainz, and Nico Hulkenberg within the top four. As for what the rest of the field was like, truthfully, I don't really remember and I don't have it in front of me, but those were the four that were really important. Um, with Max Verstappen being in first. Yeah, it's okay. That's no problem. Lewis would have gotten his first podium of the season. Uh, and Carlos, we found out later, would have gotten a five-second penalty for tagging Fernando Alonso on the first corner, which means Nico Hulkenberg would have gotten his first podium, breaking the record of longest races or scored points without being on the podium, which is still his record um, to be held. And that's kind of what, that is what we might've assumed would have happened. But the red flag, after this craziness, a red flag was shown. Again, that's our third red flag. After that happened, uh, because the lap was not completed, we had to reset the order. We saw this in Silverstone when we had Joe Guan Yu's really bad crash on the first lap. Everyone got reset to their order and any cars that were missing were no, were just weren't added into the grid slots or into the mix which was good for some, bad for others. The two Alpines obviously couldn't compete. They were out and same with Nick DeVries and Logan Sargent. Now, the other thing is, this is the last lap and formation laps count as a completed lap, which basically means the race ended under a safety car, basically under those circumstances. Which is really confusing because we went from Kevin Magnuson crashing in a safe place and we would have ended the race under a safety car to a red flag restart, which absolute mayhem ensued and a bunch of cars got taken out only for us to enter, enter, end under a safety car anyways. I don't know how we got to this point and why it's so backwards. I really feel like this entire incident could have been avoided and the Alpines could have done really well. They would have gotten maybe fifth, sixth. Um, a bunch of people wouldn't have been so upset by it. It's, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow that this could have been changed. Um, and it's really frustrating, but it is what it is. That is 
the Australian Grand Prix. Probably the most exciting and disappointing race uh, throughout this season for obvious reasons. Uh, and it's it's a little weird. It's a little weird. This one's definitely going to be going in the history books. And that's pretty much it. That's all I got to cover about uh, the Grand Prix. Uh, before we go, just a reminder that Baku is in three weeks, which is great because I believe Baku was around eight, around seven or eight last year. Now it's around four, uh, probably because of how hot it was last year. We had quite a few uh, PU failures and quite a few cars overheating. And that was probably the reason why we moved it up on the calendar for this year. Also because of where it's located in, um, in conjunction as to where Australia is. But who knows? We've all kind of examined the... Formula One schedule in terms of distance traveled, and, and we know that you know they're spending a lot of money on on flying stuff places um, in weird times. But anyways, so three weeks till Baku. It's going to be at the end of April, beginning of May, um, and I'm sure if you're already a big F1 fan, you're already on board with that. So let's take a look at the standings before we get out of here, and we will see the driver standings. Is Max Verstappen in first place with 69 points? Um, his Teammate uh, behind him is at 54, uh, Checo Perez. Uh, Fernando Alonso at 45, which he is still able to catch up. If, if both Red Bulls DNF, which I think is kind of annoying that we are at that point of if Red Bull DNFs, that's the only way anyone's catching them. Um, Lewis Hamilton is in fourth. Carlos Sainz is in fifth. Uh, Lance Stroll, George Russell, Lando Norris, Nico Hulkenberg sitting in ninth, and Charles Leclerc. Ah, uh, it's sad. It's sad to see him in 10th, considering at this point in time, he was comfortably ahead of everyone else in these standings. All right, let's take a look at the constructors. And there is hope. There is hope for a second place for some team, because honestly, there's still 20 races left, but, uh, you know, Red Bull just seems untouchable. They're at 123 points with Aston Martin uh, in second, uh, just barely ahead at 65 uh, of the Mercedes at 56. Uh, Ferrari is uh, fourth, which same thing. It still hurts. McLaren got a huge amount of points this race. They went from zero points to 12, uh, which is exactly what they needed. Personally, I think if a McLaren does badly, I don't think I'll be upset about it. Uh, Alpine, unfortunately, with their, both their cars crashing out into each other, didn't get any points this uh, today. Both of the Haases didn't do anything, as well as the Alfa Romeos uh, and the Alfa Tauris. No, correction, Niku... Uh, Yuki Sonoda got his first points. He finished 11th consistently for many races, and now he has finished 10th for one point, which is massive. Great job. Uh, and, of course, the Williams also sitting at only one point. Um, funny enough, last year, uh, the Williams scored their first point also in Australia. That being said, they already had a point. They were kind of ahead of the curve, but now they're kind of shooting at par by comparison to last year. All right, and that's it. That is the F1 news of the week. There is so much going on with the Australian Grand Prix, and I don't know what I'm going to do for the next three weeks while I wait for Baku. Um, that is something for me to decide, but we'll see you then. We're going to end off with The Liars Club by Coheed and Cambria. Don't forget that you can follow us on social media at DCSA Media Hub, and we're going to play you out with The Liars Club by Coheed and Cambria here on riotradio.ca. Such a mess.
Do you want me to lie? 